Good morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Dave Willauer. I'm the Minister of Caregiving here at Parker Ford, which means that I help to uh, oversee the deacon teams. DJ called yesterday afternoon. I could tell that he was not feeling well before he said anything and said, do you have anything in the file that you could pull out and, and uh, use the book? Well, I don't throw anything away. I especially don't throw sermons away. And uh, so I didn't have a chance from yesterday afternoon to write a new sermon. So this is a rerun. Uh, but it's not one that you've heard, I don't think so. Uh, our scripture for today, you know, and you look for those little indicators that you pick the right one. Well, the children's uh, box this morning helped to confirm that. You'll see what I mean here in just a minute. Um, we do have the scripture up on the screen. And the sermon title, oh, we lost the formatting from that computer to my computer at home. It's called, the sermon is called Living Stones, right? And uh, Coach brought in a geo this morning, so I thought, well, that's kind of cool. And yeah, Anna already quoted one of the scriptures that I'm going to use in the message, so that's, that's, that, those are not coincidences. You understand that, right? Okay. Let's take a look. And, and out of respect for God's word, let's stand uh, as we look at these two passages. Our scripture uh, is, the first passage is in Genesis 18, verses 9 through 15. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah's, with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out, and my Lord is old, I shall have pleasure. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this. Am I going backwards? No, I'm not. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year. And Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, this is not, yeah, sorry. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. So that's the, the punchline there of that. Bit. All right, let's see if we have the correct passage here for 1 Peter. This is 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 10. And this is where Coach's Geode made the connection. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. 
They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You may be seated. May the Lord add his richest blessing to the reading of his most precious word. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we pause to reflect on these passages and on other portions of your word, we pray that your spirit would be fully indwelling us, that your spirit would be opening our hearts and minds as we contemplate the significance of being a living stone where we are, in this place and wherever we go. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the new, passage, the new Testament passage that we're going to examine this morning contains a wealth of information. And you know, there's so much there contained in these verses about the nature and the functioning of the church that it's really impossible to fully capture all of it, everything that's contained there. So we're going to try to make an attempt to discuss and discover those truths that have a special meaning for us today. Now these verses contain for us both a challenge and a call. And I would challenge each of us in attendance here this morning to take seriously the call that is issued in this passage for us. The stone is a very familiar image and idea throughout the Bible. There are three Old Testament passages that are referred to in these verses in, in 1 Peter, the New Testament portion of our passages for today. And you know, we need to be reminded of them. In Psalm 118, the writer speaks of the, the stone that the builders rejected. And if you've ever worked with masonry, you know, especially with not, not bricks or cement blocks, but if you work with stone, you know that in the process of building a wall, stones are considered and rejected. And it's possible that a single stone could be considered and rejected more than once. But the writer continues that this same stone that has been rejected by the builders has now become the head of the corner. In other words, the cornerstone. The most important stone. The stone which was used to build off of, to make sure that everything else, that the rest of the wall was plumb and true. The stone that has a place of honor. And in the Psalms, the rejected stone represents the nation of Israel. But Jesus took this comparison on himself and used it for himself. And how appropriate it was that he did so. Certainly Jesus had been rejected. But God, through his love for his son, made him the cornerstone, the head of the corner, giving him honor above all others. Now, the idea of a foundation stone can also be found in Isaiah. And if we look at the 28th chapter of Isaiah, here it is again that the nation of Israel, specifically God's unfailing relationship to his people, was being set as the foundation as the tested stone, as the precious cornerstone. And again, the Christian writers took this passage and applied it 
to Jesus, the one who is our precious and immovable foundation stone of God. Also in Isaiah, this one is in the 8th chapter, we read that the Lord of hosts will become as a sanctuary and as a stone of offense, or offense, a rock of stumbling. Now how can that be? How can God be both a sanctuary and a stumbling block? Well, it's very simple. To those who accept him, he becomes a sanctuary and a salvation. But to those who reject him, he becomes a terror and a destruction. And there's one final reference that we want to mention, and that is that the one that Anna mentioned. It's Jesus' claim to Peter, and it's found in Matthew 16. Uh, in Matthew 16, Jesus tells him, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. It is on the faith of the loyal believer, on the faith of the loyal believer that the church is built. Is the Parker Ford Church built on such a loyal faith? Well, I believe that it is. I definitely believe it is. In my history with Parker Ford Church, I believe that to be true. I've been impressed with the faith that I have seen. Now the stage has been set, in other words. We can say along with the psalmist, we have a goodly heritage. We have a good history, a firm foundation. Pretend that that says stones up there along with living. <laughs> the story is told of the former uh, pope of the Catholic Church, John Paul. And this story took place before he was pope, uh, probably in the late 1950s, I believe, when he was either bishop or archbishop uh, in Poland. And Poland at that time was under communist domination. And the communists got the idea that they were going to build a new city, a city that would be an everlasting tribute and monument to the communist movement. Now this city would have factories, it would have adequate housing. It would have businesses. The city would be a model city. And it would bring future recognition and joy to the communists. There were to be no churches. No churches. You see, these were institutions of the past, the communists said. They served no purpose. They were superstitious institutions for superstitious people. No churches. But the people of Christ Church took exception to this. In disobeying the communist regime, they attempted to build a church to the glory and honor of God in this new city. And it became a classic struggle. The project would progress to a point only to have that work that had been completed dismantled by the governing authorities. And week after week, the battle continued. And after each dismantling, there was nothing to show for the efforts of the group. Nothing but a pile of rubble where there was supposed to be a church. Finally, the church faced its ultimate showdown with the state. A date had been announced for a mass to be held, to be celebrated, to be held on the exact spot in the rubble where the people had been trying to build the building. And as the date approached, John Paul began to become apprehensive was this the right decision? And in response to his concern, it began to rain. 
almost a sure indication that this was the wrong thing to do. Now with the rain, there would be no one in attendance, John Paul lamented. He even announced to his colleagues as they drove to the site that their efforts to have a service were doomed to failure. He and the church, the group of believers, would be the laughing stock of all Poland. Where is God in all this? He asked. How could he have brought such torrential rains at an important time as this? Well, the scene changes and the, the bishop is putting on his vestments in the car to prepare for the service. And even though he is feeling his greatest defeat, something pushes him onward. Something compels him to keep on going. It could be God's representative, even if it means humiliation, defeat, and failure. And so this small group of men moved across the crest of the hill that separated where they were parked from where the church was to be built. Drenched to the bone, they reached the hill, and what do they find? As far as the eye can see, the grounds are crowded with throngs of people who begin to cheer loudly when they see the bishop who has come to lead them in their worship. With tears streaming down his cheeks, the bishop picks up a piece of destroyed concrete block and shouts at the top of his lungs that no power, no principality can stop the church of Jesus Christ from being built in this city. For in this city, the church of Jesus Christ is not being built out of bricks and out of mortar, but rather this church of Jesus Christ has as its foundation has as its construction living stones, living stones. As you come to him, come to Jesus, the living stone rejected by people, but chosen by God and precious to him, you too are like living stones being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifice Once you were a people, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What is our purpose in gathering together as a group of believers? Well, our purpose is to build this church. And I'm not talking about the building. I'm not talking about the bricks and the mortar. The foundation has been laid by those who have gone before, and a good, strong, solid foundation it is. But we need to build. We constantly need to rebuild. We need to focus on how we can build one another up. It's time. It's always time. It's always past time, really. Each of us, if this is going to work, needs to be a living stone. We can't depend on Pastor DJ. We can't depend on the elders to do it for us or any other group of people. Alone, we are just rocks. Alone, we're just stones stuck in the dirt, going nowhere, serving no purpose except to be that of a stumbling block. You see, we have to come together. We have to make use of the God-given talents, and gifts, and abilities that will move our church forward. 
You know, if you expect the pastor or the deacons or the elders or district officials to do that, you're going to be disappointed because they can't. And if you're content to come here on a Sunday morning and sit in these chairs like rocks, then guess what we're going to have? We're going to have a rock collection. That's what we're going to have. You see, we have to be living stones. There's no other way. You know, I'm, a, I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. You'll find that out if you don't already know that about me. And as an educator, it's always important uh, for me to get my class actively involved. So this morning, I, I want to get you talking to each other a little bit. Now, don't uh, get upset. Don't feel threatened. You're not going to be talking about anything about what you don't already know, okay? Uh, it, it's going to be things that you're familiar about. I want you to do is think about all the different ways in which rocks and stones are used in this world. Now, certainly one way would be in construction, right? We've already talked about that, in building walls. But there are many, many other ways that rocks and stones are used in our world today. I want you to think, give you some think time, all right? And then I'm going to ask you to talk to the people that are next to you and share those ways that rocks or stones are used in our world. So just take a minute and think about some. Okay? Now, talk to the people next to you just for one minute, okay? Just for one minute, share those with one another. Yes. 
shelter, I would think. It's a place to get away from uh, predators. Yeah, yes, Freddie. What's that? A monument, yes, yeah, a remembrance. Okay, like that, yes. Building on the birds, some birds eat little rocks to help with digestion. They do, very good. Chickens uh, have that grit that they put in their gizzard, right, to grind up their food because they don't have teeth. A barrier means water or Like a jetty, a, a barrier, okay, yeah, in a harbor or something like that. Yeah, very good. Yes? Sharpening tools, yeah, I like that. Very good. Sharpening, as a sharpening stone. Yes, sir? Skip them. Skip them, yeah. So that's some entertainment and challenge there, right? Yeah, good one. Barry, what? Oh, okay. Yes, that dates you a little bit. Anybody else? Yes? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, great. Somebody mentioned slingshot over here. Yeah, that's okay. Yep, yes. Softening jeans. What is it? Oh, soft, yeah. And washing clothes, right? Yeah, yeah, very true, yes. Drainage. Drainage, yeah. Filtration as well. Filtering our water goes through rock stone. Done. How many times I can stick with a Yes, yeah, absolutely. Tablets, stone tablets, and altars. Yeah. We went religious on us there, Byron. Yeah. Very good. Hey, that, we're in church, so it's okay. Yeah. Yes? Gravestone. Gravestone, a monument, relates to the monument. Yep. What is it? Paving. Paving, yes. Good. Jim? Oh, okay. There's a pleasant thought. Yes. yes, but hey, it's a purpose, right? There's one, yeah. I was thinking of how animals use them for tools to open muscles. As a tool, yeah. That's, and people too, right? Yeah. Arrowheads, we can still find them in the grinding stones and so on. Ray? The earth use stone to cut stone. Okay. It has to, the stone has to be harder. Bob? Oh, yes, as, a, as an illustration. Very good. And you, we would expect that to come from you as a musical person. Okay, climbing. Yes. Countertops. There you go. Yeah, granite. Nobody said the uh, ballast of a ship to keep the ship upright. I think that's the only one. You far surpassed my list, but I think that's the only one that I had. That's a, a diverse round of answers. I want to tell you. Have you another one, Ray? They use some, uh, use stone, uh, cement, stone, whatever, or anchor. As an anchor, yeah, very good. That's a good one. That has biblical implications too, doesn't it? All right, so we have this really diverse number of different responses. That's kind of the way we're supposed to be as living stones. Maybe not the violent ones so much, but we're supposed to have a variety of different gifts, abilities, and contributions that we can make to the body. When my son Matthew was four, we visited someone who had quite an extensive rock collection. I mean, it was impressive. It was really cool. And he came home from that experience, and he announced 
that he was going to start a rock collection of his own. And I thought, well, this is great. This will occupy him for half hour, 45 minutes at least, right? <laughs> he went and got a box. He went out to our driveway, scooped up a big handful of gravel, threw it in the box, took the box back to his bedroom, put it in his desk, and he was done. <laughs> Those rocks were all the same. They were all the same gray slate, you know, that was in the whole driveway. Imagine this congregation if our living rock collection was like Matthew's collection. You know, how boring would that be? And would we be able to get all of the tasks done that need to be done? I don't think so. You see, there's room and there's a place for each and every living stone that this congregation has to offer. And we need to actively find ways. We need to create space for each and every living stone. We can't spare any. All must be used. There's a famous story from Sparta. The Spartan king was boasting to a visiting dignitary about the walls of Sparta. The visiting monarch looked around. He didn't see any walls. And he said, uh, excuse me, what walls? I don't see any walls. And the king pointed to his bodyguard and his magnificent troops. There, he said, are the walls of Sparta. Living stones, right? Same kind of idea. In the Old Testament scripture that was, was read for today, Sarah is listening behind the tent flap, and she overhears that she, 90-year-old Sarah and 100-year-old Abraham, are going to have a child, are going to have a son by springtime. And she laughs. She laughs. She thought she was laughing to herself. So ludicrous was the thought, but she was overheard. And the visitor who had made the promise, that visitor who is really the Lord, confronts her, and she denies it. She denies that she laughed, but the Lord knew that she did. And you know what? It came to pass. She laughed a laugh of disbelief. Do you hold that same disbelief today? You know that the building up, the rebuilding, the building of this church, it's, do you think that it's just impossible? But it isn't if we use living stones. You see, you hold the key. There's a saying that you, you should lead or follow or get out of the way. <laughs> heard that one before. We can't afford to lose any stones in this church. We need to use the gifts and the talents and the abilities, the time and the energy of each member and friend of this congregation. Uh, it was just announced this morning, and it was in, in the this Sunday email that Rosa sent out, and Mike announced it during announcements. It's printed in your bulletin. Uh, about something that DJ is asking us to do during Lent. Like, we just got done with Christmas, right? Well, Lent moves along pretty quickly, comes pretty quickly. Uh, I'm going to read it again. During Lent this year, Pastor DJ would like the congregation to focus on laying down things that distract us and hurry us. So there are certain things that we are to let go of and in their place pick up spiritual disciplines and experiences that foster practicing the presence of God. 
and there's a book that's going to help us to inform us along those, those paths, along that pathway. So that's one way that we can get involved, one way that we can come together as living stones, one way that we can participate in helping to build up the body. It will build us up individually, but it's going to build us up as a congregation also if we engage in those things. And one of those things I mentioned the last time I preached, which was corporate prayer. That's going to be part of it for us to engage in prayer together, the discipline of prayer. You know, the time has come to be chosen by the builders. Are you a living stone? Are you a living stone like Jesus, for Jesus? Are you a living stone in the Parker Ford Church? If you are, the challenge is to come together. Alone, lying by our, ourselves, we can do nothing. It is only when we are, as the scripture says, built into a spiritual house that we can become well-pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. Are you up to the task? Are you content with being part of a rock collection? Let's pray. Father God, help each and every one of us to be living stones for you in this place. We know the importance of following your will. And we ask that each and every one of us would take seriously the job of praying for and discerning that will in our lives. Help us to work together to, to build and constantly rebuild this church. And convict us to contribute ourselves into the reaffirmation of a spiritual house in this place. Keep us safe. Keep us sincere. Keep us pure in our efforts and in our motives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.